Time now to go international and to the United States in particular where our guest is the editor-at-large of the National Catholic Reporter, Tom Roberts. Tom, good to have you back with us on Sunday night. Always a pleasure to be here, John. Tom, you must have had a pretty exhausting couple of weeks uh, struggling through some uh, pretty extraordinary debates uh, over the uh, the coming presidential election. We'll come back to those in a moment because there is some important news to do with the church. Recently, the uh, the Pope announced a new list of cardinals, and that list is seen as having particular political import for the United States. Uh, that is, the Pope has chosen particularly one or two appointments over and against those known to be favoured by more conservative elements within the hierarchy of the church and almost seems to be saying, no, we're moving in a different direction now, despite what you think. Well, or despite where you've been, certainly. Yes. Uh, and, I, and I think it's yeah, a very, very clear message. Uh, I think that it would be derelict of me not to mention that we're going to speak specifically about the U.S., but the other significance is that he keeps on picking cardinals from other places that really have never had cardinals before. Mm. He is staying good to his word about going to the peripheries and, and giving that example. Uh, he's picking cardinals whose experience has been of poverty and of the issues that you know, he really favors and, and who, have, who have given some example of, of being able to accompany people. In the United States, that's true, too. But I guess there are more sort of ecclesial political elements to what's going on here. He chose, uh, you know, Joseph Tobin of Indianapolis and, um, and Kevin Farrell of Dallas, and, of course, Blaise Supich, who's the Archbishop of Chicago, and his real first big appointment in the United States. I mean, Supich really sort of indicated the direction the Pope was going to go in these appointments. But this gives the U.S. Church, because Farrell will be in Rome, he is the newly appointed head of the new dicastery on family life, and, and uh, uh, he'll be going to Rome. Supich and Tobin will bring some balance to a conference in the United States when you have two cardinals who are really clearly Francis bishops, if you want to put it that, in that language, and certainly his appointments, in a conference where there has been significant not overt, but very easily discerned resistance to where Francis is going. Um, and I think that's, that's going to eventually help build, if you want to use the term, his bench in the United States. One of those who apparently uh, missed out, who was favoured by more conservative elements, was uh, Chapu, a name that we have some familiarity with here in Australia, and the, uh, the issue of uh, Bill Morris here in Australia uh, just a couple of years ago. Right. He was the one who did the, the inspection that led to uh, Morris's expulsion as bishop of that diocese. Yeah, the real clear message here, and it's been clear from the time that Francis became pope, and he was certainly clear in his message to the U.S. bishops when he was here last year, and that is that he just has no affinity with the culture warrior stuff, no affinity with harsh language and this kind of dualistic us against them and the, you know, the culture is all bad. He wants accompaniment and an embrace, uh, essentially, of the culture. He wants a sort of a transformation and a redemptive embrace of the culture. And if you look at what Chapu has written, and he's a true believer in this, uh, it is all this kind of really warrior kind of language, a very, very kind of um, hostile view and a dark view of the culture. And he really sees the church against all of that. So I, don't, I think that, that, you know, that having been passed up once more for a red hat, uh, Philadelphia's not going to get one. He also bypassed um, uh, Archbishop Laurie in Baltimore, which is you know, a historic see that almost always is a cardinal. 
And I think, you know, part of that, too, is that Laurie has been one of the leaders of a very uh, sort of contentious and culture warrior uh, efforts on the, on the behalf of the conference on religious liberty, which is, uh, I think some of us would be really strained uh, at getting at this idea that, that religion was being um, assaulted by the state. Um, it just has not played very large with people. It doesn't resonate because I don't think that uh, people sense that their religious practice or anything like that is really threatened. And I think that Francis wants bishops and 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 wants to elevate people who who are not going to just concentrate on waging those kinds of of wars. I think it's also significant that Bishop Farrell, who will become Cardinal Farrell, has a long history of involvement with the Hispanic community in the United States. I think he's multilingual, as is Archbishop Joseph Tobin. And there are people who are not visibly really ambitious about all this stuff. And they demonstrated in their lives real pastoral approaches before, you know, Francis made that the centerpiece of his approach to the church. So I think it's really significant in the United States. It's sending a very, very clear message that he wants the church approached in a pastoral way. He wants people accompanied. He doesn't want them set apart, and he doesn't want the guiding principle to be, are you following all the rules and ticking all the boxes? He's far more relational and transformational than that kind of uh, almost transactional kind of spirituality. Well, let's uh, take a segue from the way the bishops view the world and the way the Pope wants the bishops to view the world, perhaps, uh, to the way the uh, the world is unfolding before us. That's the uh, the presidential elections, because Donald Trump, in the final debate, made a big play for um, conservative Christians generally, with his emphasis on Roe versus Wade in the in the final debate. How's religion playing out in uh, in the way? Uh, it may impact the elections. There's been a lot of discussion over the last few months about the place of the evangelicals, the place of conservative Catholics. Now we're only a couple of weeks out from the event. How's it playing out? Well, I think that he still has the bulk of evangelicals supporting him, and the largest number of evangelicals are supporting him. But I think that we're also facing in this election a real scrambling of the notion of evangelical it's really been put to the test because you had leadership going to Trump in that meeting last June in New York where um, a lot of, uh, of high-level leaders met with him in New York and then came out and tried to convince the world that uh, you know, he really was a good guy and he was changed and, um, and somehow um, contrite and all the rest of it. Uh, What's transpired from then to now, especially over the last couple of weeks with the revelation of the video in which he bragged about how he went about assaulting women in very crude language and the you know, the consequent stepping forward of a number, I think nine or ten women now, accusing him of having um, assaulted them in various ways from kissing to touching and all the rest of it. It just has really worn away a lot of that support, a lot of evangelical leaders are saying we can't have anything to do with him. And I think I, I was doing an interview with, with uh, Dr. Randall Bomber of Dartmouth College about this whole matter, and I think one of the things that's really bubbling to the surface is the fundamental question about what evangelical means these days. In other words, can you separate the political version of it from most evangelicals who 
are not that involved in this kind of politics, and also how split is it? I mean, there's there are big splits now between a lot of women and men in the evangelical world. There are also splits that Balmer has seen and begun to write about uh, between young people in the evangelical community and those leaders. And yes, it's the, becoming a politically meaningless category. In some senses, yes. But I think it's also becoming a really mixed political category because what, what happened, what, what he saw was that young evangelicals on Christian campuses that he's visited, he visits quite a bit, are saying that their powers of moral concerns are far larger than just same-sex marriage and, uh, and abortion. And, and they're, they're separating themselves from the kind of leadership. So the question also becomes, are these leaders who are making the sort of big political moves and noise on the national stage running to catch up and get ahead of the group they're supposed to be leading? Are they leading anybody? Mm. Or is there leadership in the evangelical community that's rising up, uh, not quite at, at the national level yet, but, but articulating a far different view of what it means to be a conservative Christian in the United States? Yes, and you have, you have a, a, a split, say, between those like um, Liberty University and Jerry Falwell Jr. and people like the Focus on the Family and Ralph Reed people over against a more left-wing evangelical coalition of people like Ron Sider, Tony Campolo, Jim Wallace from Sojourners. That split seems now to have some substance to it in terms of, of, of the integrity given to those on the what could be called the evangelical left. Yeah, and I think the numbers are bigger than they used to be just because of these kinds of political splits. They're also, on Liberty University, there's a group of students who have come out openly saying we want nothing to do with Trump and really disputing, uh, you know, Falwell Jr., the president, uh, to the point where he had to say I was just speaking for myself, not the university. But there are evidence of those kinds of splits. The other splits are, are demographic, you know, women and men, but all, and young and old, but also racial. Um, and I think there's, you know, there's a, there's a whole range of black and African-American evangelical churches that aren't part of that political mix. Uh, so I think it's, it's more complex than hmm. we like, especially those in the media who like to talk about the evangelical entity. Yeah. Uh, I think, and I think that this election is really going to make it clear that that coalition, that sort of coalesced group, isn't a group anymore, that it's it's got very distinct divisions in it. One other matter before we go, Tom, uh, just foreshadowing next year, 2017, uh, October, 12 months from now, uh, we'll be celebrating the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, uh, the great split in the Western Church, the emergence of Protestantism over against Western Catholicism, we seem to be at a moment in time where discussions about reconciliation between the churches at the peak level have stalled somewhat over the last 20 years. But at the grassroots level, practical ecumenism tends to be saying among the people, it's all over, folks. Look, we're happy to talk to each other and mix with each other in a way that's been quite remarkably quick. Yes, and I think that once, you know, Vatican II and Nostratate opened that door, it's never going to be closed. And there was a huge sigh of relief in places like the United States that that document came into existence. I mean, if you were trying to convince uh, somebody 
uh, of the current generation, you know, uh, millennials, that this was once a really big problem, you'd have some trouble. You'd have to get out the history books and really and really document it because it's just not an issue anymore. And I think what all, we're also going to see, and we can talk about this, you know, at a later date in more detail, but we're going to see the surfacing of all the kinds of deep-in-the-weeds theological work, both at an international and national level, and at the local level, it's gone on. There is a great deal of will, I think, on those levels for settling the bigger issues, if you will. And it's going to be interesting to see, especially where Francis takes this. Yes, and he seems well disposed to encourage those discussions. Exactly, yes. Tom Roberts, great to talk to you. Uh, We'll be back soon uh, after all this uh, fun and games is over in the short term to get a, a roundup before the year winds up. Thanks so much for joining us. We're all waiting for November 9th here, John. <laughs> always, a, always a pleasure to be with you. Tom Roberts of the National Catholic Reporter. Thanks once again. This has been a podcast of Sunday Nights on ABC Local Radio. Thank you for listening. <laughs>